Thank you, Mike. Is that a present? All right. Well, how's everybody doing? What a sweet time of worship. I'm excited to to be here and to share the word today. Um, it's just so good to see all of you. I know some of you have been through some difficult things this week as I look across the room. Some of you have had some low lows and other of us have had high highs, but how good it is to be in the house of the Lord together, worshiping together. Well, I got to start with a comment. I'm not just trying to be funny this morning. I'm going to get serious eventually. But um, when my family was here about a month ago, someone went up to my 16-year-old brother in this church. I don't know who it was. He didn't know who you were, but I'm talking to you right now. And and asked him, is it true that Matt skipped fifth grade? Now, I just need to clarify for you, I didn't skip fifth grade. I skipped fifth grade science for a semester, all right? It's different. I didn't skip the whole thing, okay? So just want to clear that up. And I want to have a question for you guys today. Have you ever had something that you really wanted and you just couldn't get it off your mind. As we sit, think about something. What's something that through time, no matter how silly it is, you just really wanted that thing, or you really wanted that experience, and you just earnestly desired it, you just could not get it off your mind. No matter what you tried to do, it just kept coming back. Chris, it's probably that fantasy football trade I haven't replied to yet. He wants that trade. So I, just things get on our mind, right? And, and it's hard to forget them. And sometimes eventually we're like, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. And how do we do it? We justify, right? We justify, well, I have a practical purpose here. For Chris, I need that wide receiver. Um, maybe maybe you're saying I need that bigger TV or, or our family would really enjoy a trip to Disney. None of these are bad things. Uh, maybe you need that fish house. Uh, maybe you need that pair of shoes. Cindy Barnes, maybe now you need a... Aaron Rodgers Jets jersey. I don't know. I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. Wow, tough crowd today. Does everyone need to spin around and loosen up a little bit? Well, I've had things like that. I confess I've had things like that. And I want to start with a little story of something I had like that. And uh, I told someone this week, I've rarely had an embarrassing illustration that I've ever even thought about backing out of. But honestly, last night, I was like, I may not want to tell this story. This is just kind of embarrassing. But it's a good illustration of what we're going to be talking about today, so I will lay myself down. So um, the good news is I think we're all in this together. So as I've kind of thought through in life, I've just had things that have come up, and I've been like, you know, I really want that. And, and it usually starts with, well, I don't need it. And then over time, I, I started thinking, you know, maybe I could use it here, and maybe I could use it at this time, in this way, right? We have those things. And for me, in 2020, for some reason, beginning of 2020, the thing I really wanted was a Yeti cooler, okay? It's stupid, okay? Yeti coolers are great. I'm not calling Yeti stupid. Um, I just, like, I could not get this thing off my mind, all right? So we're in the beginning of 2020, um, everyone remembers something from 2020, maybe a lot. Maybe some of us have blocked it out. If so, fair response. <laughs> but I just really wanted a cooler. The, the problem was, in 2020, I had a lot of extra time to think about this. There, there, just, there was a lot going on out there, but like with work, with family, things had quieted down. There wasn't a lot to do but to spend time 
thinking, and I just really could not get this Yeti cooler off of my mind. And, and I'm the type of person that I have this gene, and some of you have this too. You, you just can't buy something if it's not on sale. Even a little sale. It's just got to be on sale. And Yeti is one of those companies, and I'm not throwing Yeti under the bus here, right? They don't do a lot of sales. Mike, can you help us with that? Ace sells Yetis, right? They don't do a lot of sales. And so I was looking around, searching the internet, just looking, looking. Oh, where can I, where can I get a cooler on a good sale? And, and I, I pushed off this desire, push it off, push it off, push it off for nine months. And finally, in the back of my mind, I had justified this thing, justified this purchase again and again and again. I, I was like, I can do it. And the thing, the straw that broke the camel's back, and I was getting a little blinded maybe to, um, to my desire for this. I, I was just, I wasn't thinking quite as straight. Um, the thing that, that broke it for me that made me finally decide to buy it is I was just looking on, uh, if, is anyone familiar with the website Etsy? Etsy is a website where you can um, trade and really exchange, sell stuff from small businesses that's handmade, things like that, custom stuff, really cool site. So I found this Yeti cooler on there. And I know, red flag right there, all right? Not the place you should be buying a cooler. If you want a cooler, buy it from uh, in Marshall at Ace, all right? Somewhere like that. A little promotion for you, Mike. I'm sorry. You probably shouldn't do that in church. But um, I, I don't know. It just caught my eye, and it was on sale. It was a pretty good little deal. So I was like, you know what? Etsy's a reputable site. I think if this goes bad, they'll back me up. And so I ordered it. I did more things to justify it. I don't have to walk through all of that. This story is going to get long enough. But um, when when I ordered it, it's kind of silly, right? Because it's COVID, and it's the middle of winter. I don't really have that much use for a nice cooler. I just don't, right? It's just eaten me up for long enough. I was like, I just want to buy this. And the truth was, once I had it, I didn't have that much use for it. But I want to tell you the story. This gets, <laughs> this gets more embarrassing. Um, I wish that's where the story ended and I could say that's my example of all this. It gets a little more crazy, okay? So in January 2021, actually in December, I was here in, I don't know if I was in the church, maybe we were watching from home still, December 2020, but I was here for Christmas with Olivia's family. I go home, I take COVID home with me. So I go home, test positive for COVID, actually the first time I'd had COVID, and I'm just at home with COVID. And the week before, I had put my order in for this Yeti cooler. So the day's coming. I'm doing that happy dance. All right, don't judge me here. I know you guys track your packages too. All right, when it's something you really want, I'm tracking it. I know what day it's going to come. I get COVID. So I'm just like at home, a little bit sick, not too bad. And the day comes, ah, out for delivery. I see it on UPS tracking. And the cooler's out for delivery. And I'm just waiting all day, just laying in bed sick, just refreshing. When's this thing going to show up in my house? Finally, it says delivered. And, and it says on there at the front door, right? UPS has gotten good at being specific where they leave a package. So I get up. All of a sudden, I'm cured. I'm so excited. I'm going to get this thing I want. I go out, and it is not anywhere on our property. Not at the front door. Not at the back door. Uh, not by a car, nothing. It is not there. And so I go into full-on panic mode. Like, where is this cooler? And uh, so I, I do silly things, right? I call UPS. What are they going to do to help me? They're like, hey, it was delivered. You know, if the delivery driver says it's at the front door, it's at a front door somewhere. 
And so in the middle of this, I'm like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So I actually messaged the Etsy seller. And I don't think they've done anything wrong, right? Because UPS delivered something somewhere. I messaged them, and I'm like, hey, I explained it all. I didn't get it. Um, is there anything you can do to help me from the UPS side to, you know, insurance or anything like that? It, it, something went wrong with the delivery. So I didn't get it. But then I'm laying there in bed, sick, thinking, like, you know, where would they have delivered that? And, and, and I, I'm in this little small town called Carterville where we lived. And we live at 417 West Grand Avenue. That's our house. And, and I've always kind of known there's like a 417 East Grand just down the road from me. And so I do what every rational person would do. I go and search the property tax records. And I find the name of the person that lives at 417 East Grand. And I... Find them on Facebook. No mutual friends, but I'm like, you know, I think this might be the person. And so, like a total bozo, I messaged them. Can we put that up? I brought the receipts. I went back and found it. There's a block in there. So this is what I said. Tina is her name. My name is Matt. I live at 417 West Grand Avenue in Carterville. I could totally be incorrect on this, but I believe you have the same house number on East Grand. I was expecting a large package today from UPS that, after calling UPS, I believe may have been delivered to your address. Did you, by chance, receive a package address to Matthew Cherry today? If not, I'm sorry for bothering you. Thanks. Totally rational. What a weird message to get for someone. But a little time later, put up the next one, I get a reply. Yes, we did. I tried to call the phone number on the package, but it wouldn't go through. It's sitting by my front door if you would like to come by and pick it up. So I'm like, yes, going to get this thing. Next message. This is the embarrassing part. Wonderful. Thank you. There has been COVID in my house, a.k.a. I have COVID. I would hate to put your family at risk. Would you mind moving the box next to your mailbox as a precaution? Sure, no problem. So weird message to get from someone else. But I found it. Um, I get in the car. Yes, I have COVID, but I'm like, I'm not going to be near anyone. Go over there. Little weird. Pick up a package at someone else's house off the curb. Throw it in. Says Yeti on the side of the box. I'm like, yeah, I got my cooler. All right. I get home and something was like a little strange about this. Put up the next slide. On the shipping label, Cheris Mats. I'm like, what is Cheris Mats? Also, if you look at the format of the address, you can see why a UPS delivery agent would get confused. But it's from Yeti Coolers. I'm like, weird? But okay, I'll keep going. Open the box. Open it up. There's a Yeti. There's a Yeti in this beautiful color I wanted. Um, and this nice size, perfect size for all these practical functions I think that I have. I'm so excited. And I just spend the afternoon just enjoying this laying sick next to it, essentially. I'm exaggerating a little bit, right? But um, I, I was excited. I had the Yeti of my dreams. Nine months of anticipation. Here I am. I've got it. Now, I couldn't get past how weird this Cheris Match thing was. I just could not get past it. And this is where the story gets weird. After a few days, I think back and I'm like, oh, I messaged that Etsy seller saying it, it didn't come in. But now I have it. I should go back and let them know I got it. So I get in my Etsy account, go to messages, and I see they've messaged me back in the last few days. And, and here's what they said in, in a little bit of broken English with some weird spaces. Thank for contact. We will ship another item to you soon. Weird. 
They're going to ship another item to me soon. They're not going to work with UPS on this and try to figure out what happened or file insurance. They're just going to ship another one. And so all of a sudden, I think like cherished mats. That doesn't make any sense. Also, this is coming from an Etsy seller, and it came directly from a Yeti distribution center. And I'm honestly like, honestly, my face like lights up. I'm like, no way. They're going to send me another one. I know it. Lo and behold, five days later, another one just comes in the mail. This time, I'm not kidding. I, I'm, I promise you this is true. The name on the address is Jay Sneed. Just a random name, another cooler. If you don't know, Yeti coolers are not cheap, right? They're just like shipping out Yeti coolers, selling them on Etsy, and just pocketing the cash. I don't know how they did it. I reported it. Anyways, weird, right? Weird story, but I got everything that I wanted. I just got everything I wanted. As a consumer, I was happy. I, I had this Yeti that I was going to go use all the time for all these expeditions that I thought I was going to do. Why do I tell you this story? In that time, I just got sucked into this consumerism thing. I was, I, they were selling me something and man, they got me hook, line, sinker. I wanted something and I was in, I was in the Yeti family. If a Yeti was a Jeep, I'd be doing the Yeti wave, right? As I drove by other people. Some of you got that. And, uh, I was just excited. So weird story. I just tell that at the start, we're going to come back to it. Okay. We're going to come back to it. But today we're starting a series called We Are the Church. Can everyone say, We Are the Church? We're going to talk about this thing called the church, which we all have background with. We all have some history with. The fact that you're here says you already, even if it's just for this morning, even if this is your first time, you've got some history already with the church. We've got expectations. We're going to go back and see, okay, when did the church really begin? What was its purpose? That's what we're going to do in this series. And I'm excited to kick it off today. And today I want to just talk a little bit about um, where things began. And then we're going to end up and go back to the Yeti story and talk about how that might actually apply to us a little bit. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, let's open to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. And we're going to begin in verse 13. I'll give you a second to turn there. In Matthew 16, Jesus is with his disciples, and he's been teaching them. And, and we're going to start here in verse 13. I'm going to begin, and if you're still turning there, you can catch up with us. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Now, the Son of Man, uh, is there's a lot of history in that phrase. But he's referring to himself there. So who do people say that I am? And the disciples gave him some answers. They said, some say you're John the Baptist. And others, they say you're Elijah. If you didn't know, Elijah in the Old Testament actually went off, uh, rode off in a chariot of fire without dying. So everyone believed, hey, Elijah is coming back. So some thought, hey, maybe this Jesus is Elijah. But still others, they thought he was the prophet Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus said, but who do you say I am? And one of the disciples, Simon Peter, answered. He jumped in and he said this confidently, I believe. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
I also say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should not, uh, that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. So Jesus reveals actually to them right then, through Peter's revelation from the Holy Spirit, that he is the, the Christ, the one that has been prophesied for uh, years to come, that a Christ was coming, a, a deliverer was coming for the people. Uh, right then, through Simon's revelation from the Holy Spirit, he says, hey, I'm the guy. And, and, this is the first time you got to realize we have all this background of the word church, but but this usage of the word church or, or the word it's rooted in in Greek, which is ekklesia, this usage of this word, this is the first time we see it in Scripture. Jesus says, "On this rock." I will build my church. Now, is he talking about Peter? I believe no. I believe he's talking about the fact that he is Christ, the Son of the living God, of what Peter just said. That's a debated topic, by the way, and we're not going to dive into that today. But but this is the first time that Jesus uses this word that we see recorded, ecclesia, and, and that's what we get the word church from. So Jesus is revealing this to the disciples. Now, we've all got the church background, right? The disciples don't. What are they familiar with? What are they familiar with? Well, you've got to understand that they had their own center of religion. These were Jewish people, uh, that, most of them that were following Jesus, and they had a, a religious background in Judaism, and they had some practices, and, and they actually had this place that the Lord had set up. God had instructed Moses when the Israelites were in the wilderness hundreds and hundreds of years before this time. He had instructed them on a place of worship to build. That place of worship was called a tabernacle. And God gave Moses very specific instructions on what is happening in the tabernacle, how it's built, um, what the procedures are around each little thing that they're going to do. God gives them very specific instructions. And, and why? Why does he do that? Why does he give them that for a place of worship? Here, here is why. God was building a place of worship that he was going to come with his presence. Think about that. The presence of a holy God that people had never seen was going to come and be in this place of worship called the tabernacle. So God had them set up everything exactly how it should be. And part of it was just by his grace. Because if they messed up with the presence of God, some crazy things could happen. By the way... Uh, the tabernacle that they had was movable because it, they were moving through the wilderness with it. Eventually, God had the Israelite people build the temple. And, and the temple actually replaced the tabernacle. Uh, Solomon built the first one. It was torn down. By the time we're here at this storyline, um, they are the Jews are worshiping in Herod's temple. Herod had built a temple. He had made a few adjustments, but he had given a temple back to the people. 
Though, as we think about this, why am I saying all this? Why? Well, this, the structure that they built was magnificent, but at the, at the center of it all, there was this place where God's presence would be. And, and this little room was called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies. And, and it was so sacred that there was only one time a year anyone ever went in there. It was the high priest, and he would go in there one time to make atonement for the people's sin. And that's where the glory of God dwelled in a really strong form. And instead of a door being on the Holy of Holies, there was actually this veil. And historians believe, this is not, this is not stated in scripture. Historians believe that veil was four inches thick, woven together with different materials that blocked off this room called the Holy of Holies that God's presence was abiding in. And as I said, the high priest only went in there one time a year, and it was dangerous. It really was. Because if the high priest went in there and did anything incorrectly, he could die just from being in the presence of God. So God actually told them to do something interesting. So when a high priest would go in there once a year, he would have a bell on his ankle, just like a jingling bell, and a rope around his ankle. Why? Well, if he went in there and did anything incorrectly... They would hear that bell stop for a while and have to pull him out with a rope. Because if anyone went in there, they were going to die too. That's how strong the power of the presence of God was in this holy of holies place. Does that make sense? Now, all of that to say, this is the disciples' background. The people he's speaking to and saying, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Using that word ecclesia that was new to them. This was their background. So, I can't imagine what they were thinking church, ecclesia, we we have the temple. That's our place of worship. What is Jesus talking about building here? Now there's a lot that goes into this. And and so this, this uh, short mini teaching is not fair to all that can be learned around this. But um, when Jesus died on the cross, we see in Matthew 27, As he died, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. So there was an earthquake and this veil that was, historians would believe that Herod had built it 60 feet tall. Four inches thick of material tore in two. And, and all of a sudden, this room where, where, when the high priest went in there, if he did anything wrong, he would die. All of a sudden, it was exposed. I can't imagine the scene that must have happened in the temple when this occurred. What does this all mean? The, the significance of this event is this. From that day, Because Jesus' death broke the curse of sin that separated us from God, you and I, his presence is no longer held behind the veil. But it comes to live and abide and make its resting place inside of me and inside of you. God's presence is no longer confined to the Holy of Holies it, it, that that veil tore Jesus' work, that the veil that, that really signifies the sin that separates us from God, that thing tore. And, and praise be to God that it tore, and now his spirit lives in you and I. Is there an amen in here today? 
God's presence now abides in us. Thank goodness we don't all die just because it's in us. There must be a special grace there. So now that that had happened, what, where did the church come from that Jesus introduced uh, to, to Peter and the disciples when, when Peter had that revelation? Well, after Jesus left the earth, uh, there was this event. And Jesus had told the disciples, go to Jerusalem and stay there because I'm going to send a gift to you, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit, if you read the beginning of Acts, you're going to see it, came down with power on the disciples, filled them. Now that presence filled their beings. And there was essentially a revival that happened right there in a busy city. Peter gets up afterwards, preaches a powerful, powerful sermon. 3,000 people, 3,000 people surrender their life to Jesus right there from that first sermon, and the church is established. So now the church that began there has gone year after year after year after year, and here we are, Victory Church, as an offshoot of that. Does that make sense? Lots of history there. But that's where it came from. we got to understand that when we're going to talk about we are the church and, and what the church is, what the church does. This started with Jesus uh, proclaiming that revelation from Peter, his death on the cross tore the veil, and now his presence lived in us. That's where this all came from, and that's why we are here. And I want to show you then, uh, Paul explains really well what the dynamic is after that, right? Now what are they living in? Now that the veil's torn, now that the church has begun, what are they living in? And Paul writes a letter to the church of Corinth, and in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 19 through 17, I'm just going to read it and make a few points. Um, Paul really explains how the church is to be. So beginning in verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now think about that. Jesus told Peter on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And, and Paul's saying, Jesus is the foundation. Now if any man builds on a foundation with gold, silver, Precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man works, uh, if any man's work which uh, was built on it remains, remains through the fire, he's saying, he will receive a reward. And if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through a fire. So he's saying the work may, the work you do may be burned up. You're still going to be saved, but the work that you built on the foundation of maybe straw, uh, maybe hay, that's going to burn. So here's the interesting thing that Paul then ends with just to remind the church in Corinth. Do you not know that you are a temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He's talking about the same Spirit that's behind the veil. The Spirit of God lives in you. If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. Whoa. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. So Paul's reminding the church, 
The church is not a building. The church is not a place. The church is you. Church of Corinth, he's saying, you are, you are God's temple. God's spirit now abides in you. And, and here's what we've got to get in our heads and deeply rooted in our hearts. This building that we're in right now, it's nice. It, it meets practical needs for the church. Um, it, a lot of ministry happens here. This service happens here. This is great. But I got to remind you guys today, this is where I want to begin with this. This right here is not the church. Amen? This building is not the church. Matter of fact, the, the organization of Victory Church, that's not the church. That's not how God designed it. So, so who are we? Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, this is all that victory is. This is all victory exists and serves to do from Scripture. Uh, Paul says to the church of Ephesus, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. And what's the purpose? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. So, so Paul is saying this in his letters. You are the temple. The organization that you guys organize for, do that so that you can equip the people to do the work of the ministry for the sake of Christ. Now, I'm very grateful for this. Here's why. I'm the pastor, uh, lead pastor of this church. We've got staff. This verse really takes us a little bit off the hook. Just a little bit. Why? Our job is not to do all the work of the ministry. It's not. Our job is just to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Why? Because you are God's temple. The Holy Spirit lives in you and wants to work through you. How beautiful and gracious a gift is that from our Heavenly Father that instead of just leaving the temple tabernacle structure, he tore the veil and now he lives in us and now we get to partner with him. We're not on our own, but he's doing it in us and through us. I want to do a, a little exercise for us all. Just visual, put this in our mind. If you're willing, hold your two hands out in front of you. Just like this. Like you're getting a gift. Look at your hands. Nine times out of the ten, if the church is going to get anything done, God does it through those hands. Don't look at my hands. Don't look at Cindy's hands or Casey's hands or Pastor Bob. If God's going to do something, it's going to go through your hands. Nine times out of ten. Sometimes he's going to come in supernaturally and do it himself. But he likes to use us. All right, you can put your hands down. This is awesome, guys. It's really quiet in here. I don't quite get it. This is incredible. God uses us. God works through us. It's Christ who is in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. So victory, victory is here to equip you, all right? So when I say we are the church, I don't mean because you're a member of victory. I mean because you're a temple and the Holy Spirit lives and abides in you and he wants to do work through you. So let's go back. Let's go back to the Yeti, all right? The church, 
this is not, this is not just victory. The church at large has this problem. All right. So today I just want to call a spade a spade. Church at large, I'm not just calling us out. I'm just saying church in general. We've got this problem and, and, and the best word to describe it that I've found is consumerism. All right. Too often it's easy for us to look at the church like I looked at this Yeti. Here's, when I say consumerism, here's the, here's the economic definition. It's, it's, an, it's an economic word. It's the idea that increasing the consumption of goods and services purchased in the market is always a desirable goal. And that a person's, listen to this, a person's well-being and happiness depends fundamentally on obtaining consumer goods and material possessions. So th- this problem of consumerism is rooted in what? It's, it's that it's so easy to come together and, and trust me guys, I've done it. I've been there, alright? Come together and say, man, what can I go get from church today? What good teaching can I get from church today? Not realizing that we're God's temple and that He wants to do His work through us. Where am I at here? Keep rabbit trailing. The, the challenge is, is that, and I'm included in this. I, I have done this time and time and time and time again. All right. So I'm not, I'm not coming after anybody here. Uh, we spend too much time as temples of God, just consuming, 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 and really in the end, not doing a lot with it. And, and we're kind of like, there's a, there's a few analogies. Uh, we're kind of like a, a reservoir, right? There's a dam on our reservoir. Water builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up. But it never goes anywhere, right? As the church, we've got to break that dam. We've got to break it down and become a river. So that what the Lord puts in us is going to go through us. Because he's just using these hands most of the time. Sometimes we get the pleasure of checking off our church box, right? All right, I made it to church, got the kids to Awana, got to my life group and back, right? But nothing is getting out of us. We're just consuming, consuming. To make this lighthearted, uh, some of you may get this joke, some of you not. I love Taco Bell myself. Some people don't like Taco Bell. Um, when you go to Taco Bell, you're just there to consume. I got to tell you the honest truth. You're not getting a lot of nutrients from Taco Bell, all right? And I don't mean to get yucky, okay? But oftentimes when it comes out, you can tell there's probably not a lot of nutrients that left behind. All right? That's Taco Bell. All right? Sometimes spiritually we're like that. We're just there to consume for how it makes us feel good. But the, but we're not really letting the word, word and the Lord and the teaching that comes inside of us work through us. God gave us gifting so that we could be effective. See, back to the cooler. I got this cooler, and and this happens too often for me. I was so excited about it, but I didn't ever give it much practical purpose. I didn't give it much use. Matter of fact, I brought this cooler. This is not even mine. You know why? After seeing it sit in my basement, used so seldom, I sold it. I was like, why is this worth having? It just sits in my basement. It's not doing me any good. So I borrowed this from someone else who, by the way, does use it 
regularly. They're putting it to good use. Again, nothing against the cooler. I love them. I borrow them like this. Uh, they're awesome. But I wasn't camping. I wasn't having picnics. I wasn't traveling very often with food. I didn't have a practical use. I just consumed what the good it gave me to feel. And I felt good about owning it. Felt good about having it. I was on the Yeti crew. That's all it gave me. Right? Here's, here's my plea to you today. Worship team, would you come on up? We're just going to, we will close in a song. My plea to you today, as we start this series, don't treat the church like I treated that cooler. Don't do it. Don't just consume, 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 and then when, you, when you're done, that's all you're doing. See, the, the ugly side, if this isn't heavy enough yet, and, and I'm sorry, this, this is a strong message. The ugliest side of consumerism in the church is this. It, it really says to a sacrificed Savior, your work on the cross was only good enough for my consumption. That is an insult to the work that Jesus did on the cross to set us free so that we could be his temple. Amen? See, when, when we approach our faith like consumers, we eat and eat, and eat but we don't grow. Holy Spirit, we ask that we could be your dwelling place and that we could be used as a tool Lord, we thank you that we are your temple. Father, we don't want to keep coming in and enjoying a good service and saying, I, I, I hope the worship leader plays the songs I want today. I hope the teaching's really good. I hope the kids in Awana get trained up really well so the next generation uh, is a bunch of, of good kids and good people. Lord, we want to be your temple. Lord, I lay down my consumerism. I don't want that anymore. Lord, I want to be an active participant in your kingdom. Would you use my hands and feet? Could I be your temple? Holy Spirit, I invite you again, dwell in me. Make use of these hands and feet. Church, we've got to break off the dam that makes us a reservoir. We've got to lay down consumerism and we've got to say, Lord, I'll be a river. Bob reminded me this morning, there is a river. There's a river that flows from the throne of God. Lord, we just say, let that river flow through us. We'll jump in head first. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk just practically. What does it look like to be a temple of God, to, for the church to be us, to, to say that we are the church? What does it look like? But first this week, I just want to have the opportunity, and, and I needed this opportunity this week, to say, Oh Lord, I lay down consumerism. Lord, I don't want just want that. I want more. Today is a good day if you'd like to. And if, and if you're looking up and say, hey, man, I've, I've been a little bit of a consumer. Maybe even not now or maybe, maybe in the past or maybe you know that, hey, I can fall into this easily. Today is a good day to say, Lord, I, I, I repent of my consumerism. Would you wash me clean of it? First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can we stand together? We're going to close with a with a song and just have an opportunity to respond in our hearts to the Lord. Liv, would you lead us?
Father, I just ask that as we go, Lord, your spirit would go before us and behind us and all around us. Would we be your beacon of light? Would we be the salt of the earth as you told us? Would we represent you, Lord? Would you fill us with your grace, your glory? Those who need healing this week, Lord, would you heal? Would you restore? Father, would we be a family that represents you well to our community, to our families, and to our world? In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.